Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. I know some of y'all already wondering, what in the world is Pastor Don't Talk About today? He throwing rocks on stage. What's wrong with that man? I'm excited too. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I'm so thankful to be a part of this house. And we're in a season called Heart for the House. Um, and I love it because as I've been explaining to you now for a few weeks, um, we've been through a lot as a church. And I feel like God has ended a season for us. And I believe this new season will not be a season of survival. I believe it will be a season of success. We've survived a lot. I mean, just think about all the stuff you survived to get you here. But survival is only the tip of the iceberg for what God wants to do for you. He doesn't want you to survive, he wants you to thrive. I'm declaring and believing that the best is yet to come for your life. It's not prosperity, it's Bible. Jesus said, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does abundantly mean? More than what you need to do what you have been called to do. It doesn't mean, abundance does not mean you get exactly what you need to make it day by day. That's not what abundance means. Abundance means more than what you need. How many of y'all want to live an abundant life? I want more than what I need to do what I'm called to do. Amen? So in this heart for the house season, I'm believing for abundance. I'm believing for success. I want to I wanna win, man. All we do is win, 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 no matter what. Thank you, Prophet DJ Khaled. I can't even be mad at him because that's a brother that understands what it means to speak out and live out success. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to survive. I want to thrive in Jesus name. Amen. So for the next couple weeks, next few weeks, uh, we're in week number two of a six week series. And it's actually a book study on, on Nehemiah. We're going through the first six uh, chapters of, of Nehemiah. And last week, we talked about the foundation. If you want to build something, Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall. You got to have a foundation. Nehemiah didn't build anything until he prayed. Prayer needs to be the foundation. Why? Because you're saying, I have to rely on something supernatural. Relying on the natural, that's, that's, that's okay, but there's only so far that the natural can take you. I need, I need to believe in something greater than myself, and I need to be building for something bigger than myself. Amen? So we trust in prayer. Nehemiah prayed, and it's the foundation of everything that we're building. And in this Heart for the House season, on November 13th, everybody say November 13th. Look at your neighbor and say November 13th. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like so much because you picked them second. And say November 13th. We're going to bring, we're actually going to bring our heart for the house offering to God's house. 
You say, well, what is this heart for the house offering? It's the offering that continues to build the work that we are doing here in this church. Uh, ben just, just got up and gave a dynamic talk on our tithe. The tithe and the offering are two totally different things. A tithe you do out of obedience. Like you're not sacrificing when you're giving your tithe. You're obeying God. God gives you 100%. He asks for 10 back. Why? Because he wants to know that you trust him. And the church said, tithing is an exercise in obedience. Anything you do above that 10%, that becomes an offering. That's a sacrifice. It's saying, God, I, I want extra credit. I'm going to do more than what you're asking for. The good thing about doing more than what God asks for that is that God acknowledges when you do more than what he asks for. He acknowledges it. The Bible says that there's a 30, 60, or 100-fold return on anything that is over your tithe. How many of y'all want a greater return in this season? I do. I definitely do, but it's going to require something. It's going to require a sacrifice out of you. So on November 13th, we're going to bring over and above our normal tithe and offering so that we can see God's work continue to happen in this house and for the kingdom. And the church said, but today is Pledge Sunday. We're not bringing an offering today, but we are going to make a pledge. We're going to examine our heart so that we can see how God wants to challenge us to pledge in this season. It's something that I want you to be praying about, something that I want you to be thinking about. Even as I'm talking about this message, you should have all received a pledge card, and we're going to do something with this later today, and you can also pledge digitally as well. But before we get there, before you help me with this illustrated sermon, I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament. Where? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. I better know the Bible if I got to preach the Bible in the church said. Amen. Nehemiah. Nehemiah and Ezra can honestly be seen like one book. Two different people writing it, but it's like one book because they both lived around the same time. Ezra would have been the priest. Nehemiah would have been the governor who started out as a cupbearer. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Who was here last week? Raise your, raise your hand. Let me see. Yeah, man. I love it. So we're in Nehemiah uh, chapter 2 today. Let me see who has a Bible. Wave it at me. Nehemiah chapter 2. Come on. Come on. Let me see. Oh, good. Don't be waving them phones. Put them things down. What you going to do with that? Cast out no demons with a phone. Your battery dies, you die. Jesus. That's harsh. No, I'm just kidding. You can use a phone. It's 2022. If you out there online watching on the app, I want to I wanna say what's up to all. Can we say hello to our online family? How y'all doing today? We ain't counting y'all out. Y'all in this too. Use your phones. The app is on the phone. Any cool church app users out there, make some noise. We got a few thousand people that use this app currently. Praise God. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, reads something like this. I went to Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah talking. This is after the king has given him authority and permission to go and build his desecrated homeland. It says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there for three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put 
in my heart to do for Jerusalem. That's a quick note for somebody. Do not tell everyone what God puts in your heart before the right time. And the church said? Some people ain't ready for everything that God's got for you. Some people will be jealous because you opened your mouth and told them something that God was not ready to reveal yet. It says, there was no mounts with me except the one that I was riding on. Verse 13, by night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate. That is, that is the feces gate. That is the, the excrements gate. I, I love it because it even shows us that in these ancient cities, they had a way to deal with their waste. It, it was literally like the waste management exit. Isn't that cool? They had systems in cities. Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed, by fire. And the church said, say, Pastor, why am I saying amen there? You'll get it in a minute. If you're taking notes in this message, I've entitled it this, Past Inspection. Past Inspection. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you for every person that is here. It's not by accident. I thank you for every person that's watching online. For God, you know and knew before the earth began to spin on its axis, every person that will be here for this very special Sunday. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that hearts, minds, and ears will be open and receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. He's the only message I'll ever preach because he's the only one that can actually change someone. God, I thank you that the person that needs to hear this message the most, I pray for the one, the one God that needs to know who you are today. I pray you would reveal yourself. And God, I, I pray that as we talk about building and we talk about this harvest season, I pray that we would all be challenged. We would be challenged to trust you more. Challenged to trust you more. I pray that. In Jesus' name. And everybody set? Everybody set? Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this place today. Past inspection. I, I love Nehemiah because we started talking about him last week. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. Literally, he was in charge of making sure that the king did not get poisoned. If the king did get poisoned, he would, Nehemiah would literally have to die because he did not do his job to make sure that nobody put any poison in the cup of the king. So you can imagine what Nehemiah prayed for constantly. He's like, God, let me just make it another day. This job is terrible. Like I got to make sure the king ain't drinking poison because I got to be the one that makes sure I taste it first. I love Nehemiah because he was a close advisor to the king. He was the cupbearer, and I love that. Instead of constantly praying for survival, he goes to the king when his heart is broken, when he hears about what happens in the capital city of Judah, Jerusalem. He hears that because of the exile, the city has not only been destroyed, but the walls and the temples have all been burned down. And now that the Israelites have come back from their exile of 70 years, 
years. They've been taken captive by the Babylonians, but they've been released from that captivity by the Persians. King Cyrus of Persia released them. Just trying to give you a little history with the Bible because none of this stuff makes any sense without context. And the church says, so the Jews come back from exile. They come back in three different waves. Ezra and Nehemiah come back around the same time. Ezra's the priest working to rebuild the temple. Nehemiah hears because his brothers come from a long way off, back from their homeland, come to the, the, the Persian Empire where Nehemiah is with the king. And Nehemiah, the first thing out of his mouth is, hey, what's happening back home? It's like, man, it's burned down. It's, 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 it's destroyed, man. It's terrible. His heart literally breaks that he begins to fall on his knees and he cries. And the Bible says that he prays and he fasts and he cries for days on end. He's like, God, what can we do about this? Like, home can't stay like this. Like, I got to do something. And he gets inspired in his heart to go and ask the Persian king, a, for, a foreign king, Artaxerxes, he gets he gets boldness, he gets Holy Spirit boldness in him. And though he has a little fear in his heart, he's not gonna allow his fear to stop him what God has called him to do. And he prays before he goes to the king. And he says, he says, he says, King, I, 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 I need something. The king's like, man, something's wrong with you. You don't, you don't look the way that you normally look. Like I could tell that, that there's sadness in you. And he's like, well, King, if I could be honest, my homeland has been destroyed. And nobody's done anything about it. And I'm asking you, he prays right before he asks, like, God, give me the strength to do this. He prays and then he says, King, somebody has to go back, but I need you to send me. I love it because Nehemiah wasn't waiting for somebody else to be the answer to his problems. He knew that because he had a broken heart for the problem, God wanted to use him to fix the problem. God will always use you to fix the things that break you. So, Nehemiah prays this, even though there's a little fear in his heart, but God gives him the strength, and he, he asks the king, and the king says, no problem, man. Like, like, what a response from the king. He can be like, why am I going to allow you to go back and build somewhere else? No, 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 I want you to build for me. He says, no, go ahead. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send you with resources. The king began to partner with Nehemiah to build back a foreign land that he wasn't even a part of. He even sends letters to like the surrounding governors. It's like, man, this, this has my approval, it's good. Like I, I, want, I want this thing to happen because I want my boy Nehemiah to, to, to feel like he has been taken care of. So Nehemiah, he has God's faith in him. He, he, knows, that, he knows that this plan is gonna win because it's not his plan, it's, it's God's plan, but he has a broken heart to actually do something. And once again, man, God's always going to use you to fix the things that break you. He's got a vision. He says, man, I got to fix this wall. Like, I, I, I got to do it. He knows what he has to do. And I love this because he has partnership and backing of a king. So he's got resources. But he needed one more thing. Other than faith, other than vision, other than the king's approval, he needed others to pledge to help him build it. He couldn't build it by himself. He could have all the vision in the world, he could have all the faith in the world, but there is no way one man's hands were gonna be responsible for rebuilding an entire wall around a city. Others had to pledge to help him. It's Pledge Sunday. It's Pledge Sunday, and we're in Nehemiah chapter two, because 
before Nehemiah builds anything or gets anybody else to pledge to help him build, he must first do an inspection. Nehemiah literally has to do an inspection before he can carry out his mission. And before you pledge today to help to build God's house, before you pledge today to sacrifice, because that's what this is, sacrifice some of your finances in order to build God's kingdom. Before you make that pledge, not only will I ask you to inspect your hearts to see what God wants to do through you, I want you to know, like Nehemiah, Pastor Joanne and I have been inspecting this house in order to cast real vision on what we are building next. I'm not going to ask you to sacrifice anything until I've given you a clarity of vision on what to build next because over the last nine to 10 months, this place under our eyes and under our leadership has been under deep inspection so that we would understand where we have to go next. What am I trying to tell you? You must inspect before you build. You must. You cannot build anything properly without proper inspection. You must inspect before you build. I don't care what it is. I've seen people build marriages without inspecting who they've married. And then come to me asking for counseling and talking about, I don't know this person. I'm like, you didn't inspect who that was before you put that ring on them? Let me just sip this water real quick. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even give proper time for inspection. You met him for a week. I'm in love. What? <laughs> Can't inspect somebody that fast. Like, I need to know you before we are one. Oh, Lord Jesus. A lot of things we don't inspect, but then we want to build. We, 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 we get into business relationships with people, but never take the time to find out who this person really is and what their motives really are. My business partner did me dirty. Did you know who they were before they became, became your partner? Did you know they was greedy? Did you know they was stingy? Did you know they were liars? Before you decided to put that money together? You gotta do a proper inspection before you build anything. Hmm. Three points today, and I promise you they won't take long. The first one is this. Expect the, inspect the grounds you want to build on. Inspect the grounds you want to build on. Before we pledge anything today, I, I, I want to properly inspect the grounds, this ground called Cool Church, that we are building on. Look at what Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 13 through 6 say. By night... This is Nehemiah, he gets the approval of the king, and then he goes on a secret covert mission by himself. He says, by night, I went out through the valley gate. He went out towards 
the west gate and he literally walks counterclockwise around the, he doesn't walk, he rides around the entire city and he's, he's, he's inspecting. Look at this, it says, by night I went out through the valley gate uh, towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I, I moved towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mouth to get through, so I went up the valley by night examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing. Still up to this point, he's running covert missions. He still hadn't told anybody what his plans was because he's like, man, I'm not going to tell you what I plan to do until I expect so I can make a proper plan says, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. I want you to know behind the scenes, there's been an inspection going on. (laughs) I I love this because if you can get this picture about Nehemiah, he's riding around this city. And if these stones here could represent something, let them represent the broken walls of Jerusalem. Could you imagine what Nehemiah had seen? He was walking around. Looking at stones, how was this built? How was how was this constructed? How how did it how did it fall? Something you know, some things just fall because they weren't built properly. Nehemiah wanted to make sure, man, when I when I build this, I want to make sure that fire can't destroy it. I want to make sure war can't destroy it. I want I want to build something fortified. So he wanted to go around. I, I think he was going around seeing what what type of stone, what what type of joints, what type of mortar that they were using. And he was literally in, in, investigating. He, he could have investigated like a portion of it. But he, he literally walks counterclockwise around the entire city of Jerusalem, inspecting every little intricate piece of this wall. Some of us, you say, Pastor, I did inspect. You know what some of the issues is with some of us with our inspections? Your inspections aren't thorough. Nehemiah checked every, it says he checked every inch of the wall. He was so thorough about it. I could imagine him picking up those stones. And he, I, I love this. He, he did it by himself. You know why? He didn't want nobody to bother him while he was inspector. Some people get too many people involved in your inspection process and they rush you through the process. Let me take my time to make sure I'm doing my due diligence before I make an action. Don't let people pressure you into doing what's next when they have no idea the plans or thoughts that are in your mind. Take your time to be diligent. This is what Nehemiah did. He went stone by stone, brick by brick to see what he had to do to rebuild this wall properly. Before, when I was reading this to myself, it made me think about my own home. I I told y'all last week, and I've said it a few times, my wife and I, we bought a home seven years ago. And when we first got in that thing, before, before we signed on the dotted line to buy that place, guess what we had to do? Where's all my realtors and all my builders out there? We had to do a home inspection. Home inspection. Because I had to make sure that I understood exactly what we were getting into. So we paid and we hired a professional. I did not, I did not do my own home inspection. Like, hmm, let me, like, you know what makes me laugh? When like people be looking at stuff like they know what they're doing, they have no idea what they're doing. 
I, I've, I've done this, so I'm making fun of myself. Like, something would happen to my, like, I used to have an old car, it was an old beater, and when something would happen to my car, I'd pull over on the side of the road, I'd open up the hood, and I'd look like I knew how to fix what was ever wrong. I opened it, because it's like, that's what you're supposed to do? I had no idea what I was looking at. So what I do, I hired a professional to walk this home with me. And this professional, he was like, he, man, he, he, he had like a light on his head. Rulers and clips. He was crawling up into crawl spaces. I'm like, what? Like he was like Indiana Jones going on an adventure. He was looking through all the stuff in the house. He was telling me what kind of pipes I. He was like, oh, okay, you got you got copper here, but then right down here, there's cast iron. You gotta watch out for that, cause this house was built in the 1960s. Man, that thing is it's eventually it's going it's going to erode. Like he was telling me all the stuff about my house. He said, but you got some advantages though, like your windows. Whoever, whoever redid this house, they put, they put hurricane windows and doors on here. So that, that's a plus. That's going to help you with your insurance. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at this roof. This, this roof is about three months old and it still had like all the tags and all the stuff. He looked at my AC, my, my HVAC. He looked at the dates on there. He's like, yeah, they put this unit in about a year ago. He was telling me all the things that I did not know to look for because he was doing a proper inspection on my home. I love doing proper inspections because the right people know what to look for. See, when you're doing an inspection, you gotta be real about what something is before you have a vision for what it actually can be. Like some of us want things so bad we're willing to overlook things that we shouldn't have overlooked in the first place. God, he's so cute! but he's so disrespectful. God, she fine! But she ain't worried about you. She more focused on her Instagram. You ain't see that? You was one to overlook it, though, because, man, she bad, dog. Just, just look at her. Just look at her. She know how bad she is. She keep looking at her, but she ain't looking at you. Someone's one to over, overlook things. Because we want something so bad, but you got to be honest about what's in front of you. You got to take an honest inventory of what's happening. And like I said, for the last 10 months, since, since we started meeting regularly, because this past January was when we started meeting regularly after almost two years of doing almost every service on video. Could y'all believe that? This past January, we started to finally feel some normalcy as we, as we got out of this pandemic phase or mode that we have been living in. And, and, and can I be honest? I, I was just so happy on January 1st, I didn't even care how many people came. I was just happy to be back in person. I was like, Lord, if, if it's just me and Joe, I'm happy because at least we are somewhere. Cause I, I like I, I ain't gonna lie, like I, I love y'all that watch online. Keep watching online. Some of you watch online because you don't live here, and I get that. And we want to try to give you a better presentation, but like, if I had my choice, I'd much rather be in the house in the church said. So, my theme and my 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 the, the the way that I've been living is 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 out of a space of gratitude. I've been living out of a space of gratitude for like the last 10 months because I remember what it felt like when I had to talk to a camera instead of you. Didn't feel good. 
We did what we had to do because God's work will not stop and the church said. So I've been very grateful, but don't you think for one second that I will ever allow my gratitude for what God has done to put a period where he has placed a comma. There's a period. Some of y'all get so thankful and then you put a period at the end of the sentence. Thank you, God. That's it. No. I thank God, but the story ain't over. I continue with the story. So, I, I just, I just want to say this because, cause like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to say something about gratitude that's going to sound counterculture to somebody, but I, I really want you to understand what I'm, what the heart of what I'm really saying. Never let your gratitude make you forget God's greater purpose for you. That's a hard pill for some people. I thought I'm supposed to be grateful. I'm not saying not, not to be. I'm just saying, don't be so grateful to be in a space that you forget all the other things God has called you to do. I'm super grateful, but it ain't over. I'm still breathing. That means there's still something that I, 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 gotta, I gotta do. Like, we're blessed. This house, you know how blessed we are? People get saved every week since our inception. Literally over 2,000 people have been saved in this house. Did you know that? Well, we've been going for a little over three years. 2,000 people getting saved? Oh my God. We've had hundreds of people be baptized. Dedicated hundreds of children. We have given away over 200,000, probably about 300K. We have given away. We've given away to communities, given away to families in need, given away to people that are hungry, given away to help people pay bills. We've just given away. You have given in tithes and offerings over two mil, like $2.5 million. You've given that. Please don't mistake what I'm telling you thinking that I'm not grateful for all of that stuff. I am, but with my gratitude, I'm still carefully expecting where, inspecting where we currently are right now because I know God's not done yet. There's so much more for God to do. At the end of the day, like people get saved, families are being helped, the community's not being, it's being impacted, but not on the level that I signed up for. Like when, when, when we started this thing, the vision God gave me was for a million families to get saved by Jesus Christ. You know what a million families is? Like the average American family has 3.14 people. So to really see a million families saved, there needs to be 3.14 million people saved. That's how you, how you gonna do that? Not with a room of 500 people. It's gotta expand. It's gotta be, there needs to be rooms of people. There needs to be people watching all over the world. We need to be out there in the streets at all times. We need to be a part of every community event we possibly can be. We need to be up in everybody's faces because we can't just have a cool church. We gotta have a cool world if you wanna see that many people saved. I'm thankful for all of it. I'm thankful for what God has done. 
but don't you dare think that this is all that we're supposed to be. I mean, we're so grateful to be back after the craziness of the pandemic. I think like some people are just like, man, let's just park here. Let's just sit here for a while. This, this is nice. It's nice to be sitting in person. Let's just sit here. But this can't be it. Because we deceive ourselves if we look at what's happening in this house and we think it's all good. My team knows this about me. On Mondays we meet, we literally watch this sermon over. We watch the, the worship. We watch every aspect. And then I hear from every team member that's doing different things in different parts of the church, from the kids to the youth to even outside the people that greet you. And we literally sit around a table and we say, what could we do better? We celebrate the wins, but then we say, what are the opportunities we have? What, what can we do better? Because I always say this, if it's all good, it's not good. It can't all be all good all the time. There's got to be, there's, there's got to be something that we can make better. Are we saying that we can't improve? Are we saying that we can't be better as a church? I don't believe that. I refuse to. That's a lie from the pits of hell. We can be better. We can be a lot better. Joe and I have been, have been doing our inspections, man. Like, like, like if, <laughs> if, if you know us, we, we try to get up into every little area. Like my wife is still like engaged with our environments team, the people that are making all the beautiful stuff. She's sitting down having meetings with, should a pastor be having meetings with, with teams that are, are doing production and environments? There's so many other things that we could be thinking about. I could be making hospital visits. I could be writing messages. I could be connecting with all these dignitaries, this, this, and that. But we are still engaged in the minute details of this church. Why? Because we care. We don't believe anybody else is going to care more than us. And that's okay because we have chosen this life. So we're involved in all these little things. But like, I'll be honest with you. When I'm done here, at some point, I'm going to go to my house. I'm going to pull up this service online and I'm going to watch it. And if I could be honest, I want to apologize to all the people watching online right now. I want to apologize because like, it's tough to watch. You laughing because you know it's true. He's like, yeah, man, that's why I came in person because it was hard. It's, it's, it's like there's, we, we, we bought equipment to shoot stuff in a studio during a pandemic. We did not purchase equipment to do live productions like this. So what they're getting is not the best quality that we can give them because we don't have the equipment suited to give them the best quality product. It's not immersive. Like, it feels like when you watch it online, it's just me being honest. It's an honest inventory. I'm looking at every stone. It feels like if you watch online, like you're a sound man sitting in the back and you just got to look at this big, like, sea of people, see this far stage. Everybody's so far away. Every now and then you get a nice close shot. Sometimes the sound ain't on point the way that it needs to be. People are trying their best, but, like, it's hard when, like, you, you can hear the sermon one second and then you can't hear it the next. So he's like, yeah, that was me last week, too. That's why I came. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Pastor, why are you bashing the, the church, man? People trying hard. Absolutely, people are trying hard. People are doing their best. We could be better. There's somebody that will never be able to get here because they live in a place where it is impossible for them to get there. And I feel bad that we're not giving them the best quality product. Because they want to be engaged with us. There's people, there are literally people, and I know them, that actually, they, they give more than a lot of people, and they don't even live in this state. And they just holding on, just watching anyway. Because they love us so much. They're just watching. But it's a rough watch. 
They're disconnected. It's like, I, I want to worship, man. Like, I know it's so good. And it's so, like, I'm in my living room. This is so hard. It's not as engaging as it could be. The website, Lord Jesus. You ever try to navigate our website? Lord Jesus. It was awesome when we first launched it back in 2019. 2018, excuse me. And we've made some revisions along the way, but man, it's getting tough to navigate. It's not keeping up. If I look and I see that green page one more time, Lord Jesus, it's not current. So I'm inspecting the house. Because I, I, I gotta make sure, if we say excellence is our spirit, why are there things that come under us that are not excellent? Come on. I'm just looking at the, I'm looking at the wall, man. Because see, see, sometimes people will think you're comfortable with a problem if you've never openly addressed that there is a problem. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with any of this. I just want you to understand that. And man, if this is your first time at this church, you're like, man, somebody invited me and he is going off on them right now. <laughs> Listen, if, if you're hearing this your first time, man, I love you. I promise you, usually I'm like really nice. And usually I'm not talking about the one extra offering that we're giving in, in the year because we don't do this any other time of the year. You have no obligation to pledge or give in this offering. I promise you, I will turn this message into a message about Jesus before it's said and done. Amen. But I'm looking at this green website. I'm like, ah! It's driving me crazy. Need an upgrade, man. You get lost on that thing. And like we do work in the community, but like there's so much more work that we could be doing. So many partnerships that we can have. People, they want to do stuff with us because they know we, we, we got a plan, but man, you can't just have a plan. You also got to have resources to execute the plan. We can do more. Man, our, our church literally like flipped upside down during the pandemic because we said, okay, we can't have services. We're going to serve more. And if I could be honest, it's just me taking an honest inventory. I feel like since we got back together, we don't serve as much as we used to. Because we're comfortable. It's just a stone. That's all. <laughs> cool kids, cool youth. Our kids are learning. Do you know that there's usually about 80 kids from fifth grade to babies, and then there's about 50 youth every week? So we are literally seeing 130 people under the age of 18 that come to this house every week, and it still ain't the program it needs to be. Yeah. It's all volunteers. They're killing it. Can we give it up for our youth and kids workers right now? But some of you know this to be true. Sometimes we can't even accept your kids because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If the ratios ain't there, we ain't gonna take more kids than we could take because we wanted to be safe. Like it's, it's, it's tough. It's a bottleneck, man. Our, our cool kids right now, we need to move into a bigger space. So we're negotiating, negotiating with the school to give us more, just more space for your kids. This is a real issue that we have. I, I don't want to turn anybody's child away because we don't have the resources to support them properly. We care more about the next generation than anything else in this church. After I'm dead and gone, I want this thing to still be here, loving the community, building strong families, and building strong futures. 
It's not a place that turns anybody away. We got kids, and I know this because me and my wife have both been down there. There's been days where I haven't preached or she hasn't preached. You know what we do? We go to cool kids, and we sit in there. And I've, I, I've seen it, whether parents want to acknowledge it or, or, or not. There's kids down there with special needs that need special attention. And there's parents that need help because they don't even know how to help their child with special needs. I see it. I'm looking at this stone and I'm like, this can't stay this way. We cannot keep this. How are we going to say we're going to build strong families, build strong futures, and we're ignoring this issue? It's so many families that are being affected by that. I'm just taking the honest inventory. Like, we need more presence in these schools. I know I even gave the testimony last week that the assistant principal said that their, their school has changed because we've been here on Sunday. What would happen if we're here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What would happen if there was like mentorship programs? What would, what would happen if we were just engaged more? It takes resources to do that. It costs to do that. Like, I don't, want, I don't want to just have a residual effect from Sunday. I want to have an effect every day in this school and every stinking school in Miramar as far as I'm concerned. But we need the resources to be able to do it. Just an honest inventory. See, we expect, we inspect the church and we love cool church. And I'm thankful for what God has done in this church. But when we look honestly, we can and should want to do more. We should want to do more. I love this because Nehemiah saw this. He knew this. If you want to build something great, you got to be honest and count the cost. That's what Nehemiah was doing when he was going from stone to stone. You know what he was doing? He's probably tabulating in his head. It's going to cost this amount because we're going to need this many stones. We're going to need this much mortar. We're going to have to make it this high because at this height, it's going to be hard for enemies to penetrate our fortified city. He was literally making calculations as he touched every stone. He was counting the cost. And I love what Luke 14, 28 to 30 says. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone will see it and ridicule you saying this person began to build but wasn't able to finish. I love Nehemiah because he has the right heart, he has the faith, he has the vision, but before the vision can become a reality, he must inspect exactly what needs to be done and what it's going to cost to do it. This is what a smart builder does and the truth is building will cost you something. And all of us today, your pastors, I'm just telling you, we're doing our job. We've inspected the wall, but I'm asking you to inspect your hearts. Inspect your hearts. Really take a critical inventory. If this is a place that you call home, once again, if you are visiting, if you are not a member, I, I am not coming at you like this. I'm coming at the folks that say that this is their house. And they say they care about it. I'm asking you to take an honest inventory. What is God challenging you to do here? Because with all those, those stones that I just mentioned, it's going to take a lot to make sure that we can rectify those issues. Those things are all pivotal to the next place that God wants to take us. But you have to really take an honest inventory 
of your heart if you expect God to build with you. See, we've inspected the house. I'm asking you to inspect the grounds of your heart. But secondly, once you've inspected the grounds you want to build on, you got to create a plan upon your inspection. Create a plan based upon your inspection. Nehemiah 2.17 says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Now he's starting to talk about his plan with people. He did his inspection, now he's talking about it. You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Wow. That's a plan. That's a good plan. You have to understand, when, when Nehemiah says, you see the trouble we are in? You know what Nehemiah understands? He understands that those walls have been destroyed for over 100 years. The time he's saying this, 100 to 150 years, those walls have been destroyed. What, what does that have to do with the city being successful? It's the whole point. A city cannot prop, be, be successful if it does not have the proper structures to fortify it and secure it. So what people from the outside were doing to Jerusalem, they were looting Jerusalem. They were plundering Jerusalem. They were desecrating the temples of Jerusalem because there were no walls to keep the people that were not supposed to be there out. They had no protection. They had no security. I I, I love this. He says, so that there will be no disgrace. Nehemiah understood that they tried to put this wall up so many times and so many people had torn it down, literally leaving the people in a place of shame and disgrace. We tried to fix this thing, man, but but we can't do it. And because the wall had been down for 100 to 150 years, after a while, when you try to do something and you get no progress, you know what happens? They just got comfortable with it. They got, they got comfortable living in a city with torn down walls. You know what they got comfortable with? They got comfortable with survival. They're like, we are, they ain't kill us yet. Like, we, uh, you know, the, the folks that was here before us, they, they, they made it and we've been born into this and we, we, we still here as long as we give the outsiders what they want, they'll leave us alone. As long as we don't push too hard, as long as we don't make any waves, they'll, 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 they'll leave us be even if we, we, we don't need walls to keep them out because we're comfortable with them treating us the way that they've been treating us. They got comfortable with survival. Existing is not enough for me. I don't know who I'm talking to. It's not enough. Existing? The only prerequisite for existing is is like breathing. You're still existing. I I don't want to just be here. I want to grow here. Like, I, I, like pl- listen, listen, to, listen to my heart because none of this is about personal gain because if you knew what we had to give up, you would never even think something like that. If you knew what we had to personally give up, 
You, you, you wouldn't even let that, that thought creep in your head. If you knew the sacrifice, you wouldn't. So, so I, I'm, I'm just telling you, if I'm going to be here, and my wife is going to be here, and my family is going to be here, existing is not an option. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not dedicating the rest of my life to preaching the gospel to just be stuck here doing this. I'm not. I'm not okay with it. I want to see people get saved. I want to see lives change. I want to build strong families and build strong futures. And I want to do it at the level that God promised me, not on a survivor level. I want to do it with excellence. I want to do it with a level of success. I want to do things that shock people in the name of Jesus and say, I can't believe that little church in Miramar dug themselves up out the mud out that pandemic and they came back better than they were before. I ain't giving up my life to do nothing. I don't want to exist. Existing is not enough for me. They got so comfortable with being there, they forgot what it felt like to win. Like, if this is it, we messed up, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the theater three-fourths full, yay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. Because if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we should always have to be looking for space because we never got enough. Because yeah. when miracles are happening, People can't stay out of God's house. This is not enough. I, I, I love it because when I moved into that house after inspection, I love it because me and my wife, we were talking about the place. She was like, I don't know. I was like, girl, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we got to get this place because I, I, I see what it's supposed to be. I see it. And thank God, baby girl, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for trusting me. But I ain't want her to just trust my vision. I wanted her to trust my plans. Y'all, I found me an architect. I got me some plans. Look at this. These are my, these are my literal house plans. Because I was just like, you know what? The, this, it's not enough space for us. We're going to have to build. We're going to have to add on. We're going to have to do whatever. But I can see it. I can, I can see we could put this here. We can stretch out this room here. We can close, close in this little carport. We can make this a garage so we got some storage. I made plans. Because it's not enough just to have faith. It's not enough just to see the vision. You actually have to have a plan. Something mapped out that other people can look at and say, yeah, we can partner with you to do that. With this plan here, anybody that's a real builder can look at it and they know exactly what I want my house to look like. It's the same thing with the church. Yes, I have all the faith in the world, but I promise you, faith without a plan won't get you anywhere. How you, how you know? That's not Bible. Faith without what? Works. It's dead. In order to work properly, you got to have what? A plan. You got to have a plan. God, I believe, I believe, I believe, and you still sitting in the same stinking seat, ain't done nothing yet. What you believing for? That you're going to get bigger sitting there? Because that's the only thing that's going to happen if you don't move. I ain't coming back. I don't care. 
Because I, I want people that see the plan and say, I want to be a part of that. that that's what I want. There's a, there's a lot of churches you could just go sit in. This ain't one of them. I love you. But I'm only asking of you what God, what God has. So you, got, you got to do something with this life that I've given you because existing is not enough. Like, when did you stop believing in purpose? When did you stop believing in God's plan for your life? There's not one, there's not one plan that I know that God has that just requires you to do nothing. Because when he's done with you, then he takes you away from this earth so that you can still... Even when you leave this earth, you don't get to heaven and do nothing. Your purpose is to praise him for eternity. Like there's always something to be done in God's kingdom. But you gotta have a plan. After you inspected the house, you had a vision, we had a plan. Because Joe and I were not gonna be comfortable with the place the way that it was. None of us should be comfortable with this as it is. Like this ain't even our building. We should not be comfortable here. We should be thankful that God has blessed us with this, but you can't get, you can't get comfortable here. Like, I pro listen, every day I walk in, I'm like, God, thank you for a place to worship after not having a place to worship for so long. But God, when are you getting us out of here? And I, I love it because every, every school that we have ever been to or, or done stuff at, we still serve. The principal of New Renaissance still loves us because even though we're not having church there, she still gets blessed. Because our work, like when God allows us to occupy a place, I believe that we always occupy a place because he breaks all hearts for that place. Once your heart is broken for that place, the work never stops in that place. We don't have to be here to help here. You hear what I'm saying? That's why this is not the final destination. It's a pit stop along the way. God broke our heart for this place. This place will always have us in some way, shape, or form. But God has more. Because there's a plan. So if you give me a few moments, I'm, a, I'm gonna go through some initiatives that I think based upon the inspection that I gave you earlier, I'm gonna go through some initiatives that are gonna carry us through 2023. You ready for them? Yeah. Excited, I wanna give you a little vision, I wanna give you a plan. Is it okay that I give you a plan? Yeah. All right, so we're gonna give you a plan. And the first part is, pop it up there. Here's what we're looking for. Some of you already think I'm crazy because there's a number that popped up behind my head. For 2022, 2023, the initiatives over this next year, we need $300,000 to do it. What? You have not because you asked not. Like, I'm tired of believing for the same stuff. I'm believing for something more. $300,000. Here's the plan. I'm going to break it down to you. The first thing we're going to do is expand our virtual experience, the cool world. Can the church say... I know the people online, y'all probably clapping like, please, Lord, let the sound be consistent for a service, Jesus. Don't let the feed cut off in the middle of it, Jesus. We doing this for y'all because there's people in 44 different countries that watch this church. We're doing this for y'all. We're gonna expand this. It's gonna take about 75K to do it. Now I'm breaking down to 300K. Why? Because I have a plan. 75K. Cameras, lenses, lighting, sound equipment for a live experience to become more immersive. The sound that you are looking at was actually donated by someone at this church and it cost about $50,000 that we did not pay for. Right? But with that, 
there's still things like this microphone we don't own. Do you know we spend $1,000 a week rent, renting microphones? Did you know that? Dang, he's telling us the real stuff now. 52 weeks a year, what does that cost? It would cost us less to own them. Somebody donated a part, but like, people ain't gonna donate forever. What we gonna do? What we gonna do? Musicians need in-ears, they need mics that we are not renting every stinking week. It doesn't even make sense. And then, you talk about, oh man, the lighting is off. If I look up right now, these are lights that are lighting me, they're called Lico's. One, two, three, four, five of them are not working. <laughs> so when I walk around, depending on where you go, you get to see all this beauty and all this glory, but then I come to other spots and you don't see nothing. <laughs> Those lights belong to the school. Once again, just like that, here's the, man, here's the thing about us. That sound system was donated for us to use, but we, we in turn gave it to the school so the school has a sound system. Because that's what we do. All we know how to do is give. But school need lights too, just like we do. As a matter of fact, the lighting board, sometimes it glitched and it do funny stuff. You know why? Because the ceiling hath opened and God poured literally out the heavens on the lighting board and it got rained off through a hole in the ceiling. But we still thugging it out. Our guys are like patching stuff in the back, making stuff work. Why? Because we gotta get this gospel out no matter what. And you get to see me in person, but this folks online like, I can't see him, I can't hear him. I don't know what's going on in worship. Why? Because we're patching things together that we have the ability to fix. All we gotta do is be generous. Purchase some microphones, in-ears for worship, studio equipment upgrade for weekly podcast and content creation. How many of y'all are content creators out there? Guess what? You can make some content at the cool house. We have some stuff for podcasts, but guess what? We need more. We have some stuff for video, but once again, it is sparse. We are traveling back and forth with things all the time. We have made the structure and the space for the cool house, but there still needs to be some stuff, the equipment that is put on the inside so that we could utilize the spaces fully. And here's the other part about that. When you have equipment that you own that is sitting in a space like a studio, guess what? You can lease it out to other other people. They can rent it and we can actually make income off of that for the church. And the church said, Amen. we're trying to utilize these things to bless you, but also bless the community surrounding us. So studio equipment upgrade, cool website, man. Listen, if I got to talk about that green uh, one more time. The website got to get redone. I'm sorry. And the app, we constantly evolving it. Thank God y'all still on the app. I think the app is honestly the easiest way to stay connected with us. But it continues to evolve. We just got to make it better. We got to streamline systems for interaction, digital systems to get individuals connected to the fam. Because once again, there's folks that are in this room. There are folks that are not in this room. They want to get connected for prayer. They want to get connected for benevolence. They want to get connected for mental health. They want to get connected for marriages, you should be able to do all of that stuff digitally because if we can only do it physically, then we are missing out on so many people that call this house home with the help that we know that they need. We can't offer it to them properly because we don't have the proper resources to do it right now. We gotta, we don't wanna, we don't wanna limit who we could help because they can't reach us or we can't reach them. 
We've got to create better systems. So we're going to expand that virtual experience. So once again, not only do you get help, but the people that can never make it here will get the help that they need. And the church said? It's part two. 100K. Cool cares. 501c3. Get excited about it. We're not doing enough in this community. I've already said it, but we are now. Cool Church is already a 501c3 nonprofit, but Cool Cares is going to be our social service arm, and it'll be its own organization. And literally, all they will do is help and partner with people. One of the things that we made the Cool House for there's a kitchenette space that some of you did not get to see. We are finishing out that space, but here's the beautiful part about it it has space for industrial fridges and more spaces for for shelving. Why do we want to do that? Because we want to use that space week to week as a food bank. There are literally disenfranchised that while I'm sitting in my office at the cool house, if you've ever been there, there's a window right by my office. I sit right by that window. Well, some of our homies like to sit and have some, some, some Jesus juice right outside my window. And they just, I just be looking at them and I'll be like, and really what it is, is a lot of people that need help. And our, our space that they are chilling in front of, like they have no idea the resources that can come from that place to bless them. I don't push them away because I'm like, God, I want them to be attracted to this space because I want this place to be a magnet that they are drawn to. And when they come here, I want them to find the help that they can get. I literally saw one of our homies that comes around there every day. When I was driving on my way over here, he was walking down 27th Avenue because he goes from plaza to plaza looking for help. What if we could be the place that he stopped and never had to look for help ever again? So we want to make a food bank that is operational. We're going to need some industrial fridges to do it because we have perishables and non-perishables that we have to store. I want bigger community partnerships. We have partnered with some of these people, but some of this stuff I'm just saying out in faith. I want to partner with Publix. I want to partner with Target. I want to partner with Feeding South Florida. I want to partner with the Miami Dolphins. I want to partner with the Miami Heat. I want to partner with the Miramar PD. I want to partner with the city of Miramar. I want to partner with the Convoy O and anybody else that we can think to partner with. Want to partner with people, bigger community partnerships, and it requires staffing. Right now, there are currently 10 staff at Cool Church, and we are spread thin amongst the areas, but I would love to be able to hire people, maybe even some folks from this congregation that have a heart for the community to be able to staff the community outreach center. You need people that are fully focused on the work day by day. While we're growing and expanding the church, people need to be fully focused on expanding our partnerships in the community. But here's, here's the most fun thing I want to do with this, with this Cool Cares 501c3. I want to create something called Cool Hubs. What we want to do is put little shops in all of these little schools in Broward County and, and some in Dade County, like we partner with Norland Middle. I want to put shops in these schools with like sneakers, clothing, little groceries, non-perishables, so like kids that come in that are less fortunate because I know this to be a fact based upon when we were in New Renaissance Middle, there are literally children that are homeless. Parents living in cars. And I'm like, you know what? You ain't got what you need. Come to the cool hub. Come get a pair of sneakers. Come get your little uniforms there. Come, hey, go take this food home for you and your mom and your dad. That 
If we get these partnerships I'm talking about, they can help us to restock this thing. But I, I, why? Because I want our presence in a school. Why? You know why Jesus? Why people follow Jesus? Because before he saved them, he helped them. I, listen, the doors of this church would not be able to contain every human that came in here. If we had a spot in every school and them parents knew, oh, that's the church that helped me and my child. Where do you think they're going to come? Here. Here. Somebody has to have a vision for that. And somebody has to give to make that happen. And the church said... In order to get these partnerships with a lot of these corporations, you have to make sure that all your documentation is in order, that it can be staffed, and that we actually have the proper plan to be able to execute the things that we're talking about. And the church said, but lastly, this is where the biggest chunk of funding is going to go, $125,000, next-gen ministries. I believe more in the next generation than anything. Long after I'm dead and gone, this church going to be here and we still going to be thinking about the next generation. I literally talked to a pastor friend of mine. I had dinner with him the other night and he's a part of a very large church in South Florida, in Miami. And the church has been in existence for 103 years. He is the 15th pastor over 103 years. And I was like, man, like you... You're, you're living in a legacy that I'm trying to build. And he's like, I, I love talking to him because he's the most humble dude on the planet. He was like, man, I'm just a small part and what God wants to continue to do. Listen, I don't need to be a big part. I just want to be a small. May, maybe this thing keeps going and they don't even remember my name. I don't care. As long as it's still here doing what God has called it to do. He couldn't tell me the names of the other 14 pastors before him. It doesn't matter. He could tell him the name of the church. Because it has staying power. Everybody in the community knows that that is a space to go. And it's a space of life. Why? Because they care about the next generation. So we're going to hire a next-gen director and staff. Right now, all of our kids and youth is run by all volunteers, all doing an amazing job. They all got other jobs. Wow, we gotta, if we care about the next generation, we need to invest in who's leading them. And the church said, we gotta invest in it. There needs to be people that are thinking about them all the time. The other part about this, I wanna develop a mentorship program. This is part of us being in the school when we're not here on Sundays. I'm looking for, I want a mentorship program where we create a volunteer force of professionals. All of y'all out there got different professions that y'all do. When I was growing up in Carroll City, there was only a few things I could be because it's the only things I was exposed to. If it wasn't something in the medical field, if it wasn't something in law or something in sports, no one else talked about it. I was like, forget all that. I want to be an artist. How did that happen? Along the way, there were, there were individuals in my life that exposed me to things that were trying to grow the gift that was inside of me that said, hey, maybe you won't be that, but you could be this. The reason that I left Miami, Florida and went all the way to Baltimore, Maryland is because I was able to get exposed to things from people that had done things I had never heard or seen before. I want you to understand for our youth, exposure matters. 
Don't let them just think they can only be certain things. And nothing's wrong with any of the things that I mentioned. I'm just saying, if that's all they think they can be, this world needs so many problem solvers in so many other places. But we only expose kids to certain things because we think that these are the things that are gonna bring, bring wealth and accolades. Let me tell you something, when you're excellent at what you're doing, you're the best at what you do in the world, it doesn't matter what you do, that'll bring you wealth and accolades as well while you're helping somebody in the process. So I'm looking for people, I've been talking to different people in the congregation that do things with real estate that I've never even heard of before, people that do things on all different levels, and they're talking about bringing groups of individuals together so that we can mentor these kids and show them something they haven't seen before. I didn't know I could be a fashion designer until I actually became one. Nobody showed me that. I had to leave to be exposed somewhere else to it. Mentorship programs, cool training classes. This is why we got in the cool house for you. They could get trained in video, sound, design, STEM, creative writing, television production, and public speaking. Yeah. It requires resources though, because we got to get facilitators. Some of that stuff we could teach, some of that stuff we got to find people to teach it. Cool kids and youth. We want to upgrade their whole environment. Check-in systems. How many of y'all want the check-in process for your kids to be easier? That cost money. <laughs> you should be able to get a key fob, but take your phone and swipe, and stuff just get printed out, and you just walk away and say, I leave you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> cost money to do that stuff. Like when our kids walk in, I don't even want them to feel like they're in a the classroom. They're in a the classroom five days a week. When they come to church, I want them to feel like they're in Disney World in Jesus' name. I want to get walls to surround the whole room. I want them to have the best of the best. We already pay for an amazing curriculum, Orange, which your kids are using, and the youth have amazing instructors and, and, and different things. But man, I want them to feel like I don't want to leave this place, mom and dad. I want, I want to be here because when I'm here, I get to escape. I get to escape the pressures of this world when I come into God's house. Don't you feel that way when you come in and worship? Your kids should feel that way when they come into God's house. I want career days. I want school assemblies. I want initiatives for kids to participate. I want to be in all these schools. I want to be standing on this platform and I want to have other leaders from organizations and businesses standing on these platforms teaching these kids what they can be encouraging them. I want to give them prizes. I want to give them all kinds of stuff. The same stuff I used to do as a youth pastor because here's what you do. You get into the schools, you invite them, you encourage them, you let them, to have, you let them have fun and then you say, hey, come to this church where this stuff is happening all the time. You invade their spaces. We can't just wait for them to come here, especially if their parents are not coming here. We have to go to where they are to encourage them. And here's a big one. I want to hire trained staff for special needs kids on Sundays. Once again, I've seen it. I've, it's like our, our, our folks are trying their hard. They're like, man, I'm trying to connect. And I don't want to just put Johnny in a corner because nobody can connect with him. I've seen them fight. We literally want to pay people to be able to come in here on Sundays to be able to help us and train us deal with, not wrong phrasing, I don't want to deal with kids. I want to train kids. I want to train kids. And I don't want to just train the kids. I want programs for the parents of special needs kids so that they know how to train their kids better. All of this stuff requires resources. 
We got to build all of these families, not just the families that are like our families. We got to build strong families. It's 300K in a nutshell, broken down based upon the inspection. You see, Nehemiah understood something. Building this wall was not really about the bricks and the mortar. It was about removing a condition off the people. Removing a condition of shame, of fear, poverty, and insecurity. He knew a wall would take away the shame. He knew a wall would take away the fear from outsiders. He knew a wall would take away insecurity. He knew that a wall around them would prosper them. He knew that it would be the beginning of fortifying. He knew a wall would be the beginning of actually fortifying the people. The wall didn't just fortify the city. Nehemiah's goal was to fortify the people. And if you think all these initiatives are about cool just being built up, you're missing it. I know last year we talked about a building, and man, I promise you, that's on the way. I'm not even worried about it. I know what's going to happen. But if we have a building and there is nothing to fortify what happens in that building, what are we doing? What, 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 What are we doing? It's not about fortifying stones. This mission is about fortifying families and spreading the message of strong families all over the world while we have strong family programming for you to actively participate in so that no one in your family gets left behind. We gotta touch all this stuff because I don't want anybody in your family or my family to get left behind. I love what Nehemiah says in chapter two, verse 18. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. You see what happened? After they heard the plan, they pledged. Let us start building. And they began this work. The best part about Nehemiah's plan, I love this, he says, I also told them. <laughs> He's like, hey, we gonna build this thing so we can take away the shame. But I also wanna tell y'all, the gracious hand of my God is on me. And I'm going to tell you what the king said to me. The best part of Nehemiah's plan is that he wasn't the focus of the plan. God was. God was. God, I love this. Nehemiah, what's your master plan? God, his hand's on me. So because his hand's on me, it's going to work. And let me tell you what the king said. It doesn't even matter what the king said. We know what the king said. The king said that I will partner with you. But why did the king say he will partner with Nehemiah? Because of the master plan. God. God moved the heart of the king to want to partner with Nehemiah. I I, I, I love this because not only does he say God is my plan, right after he says that, he says, let me tell you what the king says. He says, God is my plan. Here's the evidence of my plan. Here's the evidence. The evidence that God has already been moving on my behalf. Before I ask you to do anything, before I ask you to pledge, God's already been moving on, on my behalf because he has moved the heart of the king for me. I want you to hear that because church, God's the plan. How you know he's working? Because he's already moving the hearts of the authorities in this city. 
It's why the mayor shows up at our events and gives us proclamations. It's why all the commissioners want to do events with us constantly. It's why we know and have relationships with Miramar PD and the police chief. It's why the principals in the surrounding area all want to see what Cool Church is doing next. Why? Because God is showing us evidence that the people in the city that are in places of authority want to work with the church because he's trying to say whether you move or not I'm already start moving this thing you got to decide if you want to be a part of what I'm already moving it's what God is trying to tell us and it's what he was telling his people when he spoke through Nehemiah says God's on my side but he already moved the king too the people in authority in our city are already moving and they want to work with us why because we have a plan and finally once a plan is inspected you are approved and permitted to build. Once a plan is inspected, you are approved or permitted to build. Nehemiah 2.19, I'm almost there. Y'all give me some keys so it sound real spiritual. But when Sanballat and Horonite, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite uh, official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. <laughs> so you told the people, hey man, God's the plan and he already moving the officials. These haters come out of nowhere and they, they laugh at them and they mock them. It says, what, what y'all think y'all doing? They ask, are you rebelling against the king? So not only do they laugh at them and mock them, they try to make it seem like the king was gonna get upset for Nehemiah doing what was already in his heart and what was already approved by the king to do. These haters, these gatekeepers, tried to discourage Nehemiah from building by threatening him with the king's approval. <laughs> when Joe and I moved into our house, man, and, uh, you know, we had vision, we had passion, we had some plans. I'll never forget, and I don't suggest you do this, I suggest you hire a professional. <laughs> I was doing a lot of the permitting stuff myself. So I was going back and forth to the city, sitting there for hours and taking plans back and forth because I was trying to save money. We knew we couldn't renovate the whole place at once. So we had the big master plan, but we were renovating a piece at the time. And I should tell you, man, for a while, me and her were jumping from room to room. We did Vava's room first so that baby girl wouldn't have to move. And me and her were like jumping around from room to room. We finish a room, then we go in that room and move the stuff to the other room. And from start to finish, it took us two years to renovate this house. And it was crazy, because there was inspection upon inspection upon inspection. I had to redraft plans at certain times, so I got so many doggone plans here. Um, but the project took that long. But you know what was the part that, that's interesting about the length of time that it took? The permitting took longer than the actual building. Like, I would have to wait for an approval. Sometimes I wait months to get approved on things. 
And then when I got approved, the builders would come in, they'd knock it out in a couple days, and then I had to wait again. I had to wait on approvals because the permitting took longer than the building. The permission to build took longer than the actual building. You can have all the heart to build. You can have the finances to build. You can have the energy to build. But it doesn't matter if the plans to build are not approved. It just doesn't. Doesn't matter if the plans are not approved. Pull up that, that image. I, I, I love working with the city of Hollywood because you get to look online to see when your stuff is approved. And you see, we started in June 28, 2016. That's the bottom one. It says plans uh, withdrawn, because I went back and forth a few times. But look, final survey. Uh, elevation certificate prior to CO, certificate of occupancy, 6-14-2018. What I want you to see, though, is two things. You see where it says next to view? It says approved. What you see? Yes, 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 yes. Everything in my house is permitted because there's a yes attached to everything that I had desired to build. There's a yes. And then on the status, under my permit number, you see what it says? Closed. It's done. The work is done because I've been approved. I love Nehemiah. Because when they tried to threaten him with the approval of the king, which, by the way, he already had. I love him. Because he's like, you're trying to threaten me with the approval of the king? When I've already gotten a yes from the king of kings. Who you, th who you think you're talking to? You can't stop me from building. Because the king has said yes, yes, yes. Yes to every single thing that I want to do. Nehemiah 2.20 says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We gonna tell the king what you're doing. Did the king approve of this? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We his servants will start rebuilding. But look at this, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. They had no claim and they couldn't build what Nehemiah built because they were not approved to build it. Before Nehemiah ever laid a brick, he already had the approval of the king but it didn't even matter if he got the approval of the king. But that's how I know that God is in something because God doesn't cut corners. He makes sure everything is good on earth and in heaven when he decides to pull the trigger on something. So he got the approval of the king, but it didn't even matter if he had that or not because he already had the approval of the king of kings. Let me tell you something. People are going to try to tell you where you can't build because they can't build there. They're going to try to tell you what you can build because they 
they can't build it. But guess what? If you are approved by God, he says yes to whatever you want to build. He says yes to wherever you want to build it. He says yes to however you want to build it. Why? Because you have passed inspection. You are permitted and approved to build by God because your plans and his plans are the same plans. If you believe it, say amen. Nehemiah didn't have to worry about man's inspection because he already passed God's inspection with his heart. <laughs> other people can't, like other people say you can't do something because they can't do it. They weren't designed to do it. You were. There's a reason. There's a reason God brought us to this city and brought us to this place because he knew that this house would be the things other houses couldn't do. He knew this church would be the ones that have the guts, the intestinal fortitude to get past the no all the way to the yes. He knew that this church wouldn't give up. He knew that this church would fight. He knew that this church would love. He knew that this church would build the relationships necessary to move the spiritual needle in Miramar forward. Why? Because he's already approved our work. So I don't care how many times people tell us no, we will have success because God has already said yes. If you believe it, say amen. The real blessing today is when your heart aligns with the heart of God, you'll find success. You'll win. I'm not just telling you a bunch of stuff I think we need to do. I'm telling you after taking an honest inventory, I think what needs to, be, what needs to happen in this house to push us forward and where God wants to take us. But the truth of the matter is, I need somebody to hear this today. If we don't do one more thing, if we don't build one more thing, I need somebody to know in your heart that it is only because of Jesus that you have passed the inspection of heaven. <laughs> Pastor, I ain't come here with all this building stuff today. That's okay. This, this part's for you. God, God wouldn't approve of the stuff that I've done. You're right, but he approves of you. <laughs> Pastor, like, you don't know me, man. I messed up. There's no way God can love me with all the stuff that I've done. So have I. But I can stand here flat-footed and confident on this stage today saying that no matter what I've done, Jesus, when he looks at me, he does not reject me. He does not say no. He looks at me and he says, yes, son, you're approved. Yes, daughter. You're approved today. But you say, Pastor, like, how could Jesus say yes? It's really simple. If you accept what he's done for you, then you will always pass the inspection of heaven. Oh, I wish that would rest in somebody's spirit tonight. No matter what you've done, I did not give myself approval. 
Jesus approved me when he made me and he permitted me to walk into his pearly gates when I said yes to him. I don't know who I'm talking to today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, right there at your seat. Say, Pastor, I ain't gonna lie. I've been doing stuff I shouldn't do. I think things I shouldn't think. I, I, I say things I shouldn't say. I don't think God would approve of the person that I am today. I say, you know what? You might be right. But if you want a guaranteed approval, if you want to pass the inspection of heaven today, you say yes to Jesus. Because when Jesus died on that cross, all the things that you think God does not approve of you, Jesus took them on himself and killed them on a cross once and for all. There is no sin, there is no past, there is no shame, there is no guilt that is too great to overcome. Because when Jesus, when Jesus says yes to you, no one can ever say no. Today, if you want to pass the inspection of heaven, what am I saying in plain terms? You want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's the only way. It's the only way to get a yes every time. Maybe you've been running. You've done it before and you've been running. Sorry. You can say yes today. Maybe you've never done it. just want to introduce you to this man named Jesus who was God in the flesh that loves you, died on the cross for you. And if you accept him, then you will always pass God's inspection. That's you right where you're at. Nobody looking around, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not asking people to come down today because we're going to do something special, but I do want you to raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. Here we go on the count of three. One, two, three. Hold it up. Hold up high. I see you and 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 you. You can put your hand down. Right there at your seat. I love the God that says yes to you because not only does he say yes to you, he'll meet you right where you're at. I want everybody, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that when you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, then you're saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart is raised from the dead. You're saved. If you do that, that's it. So I want everybody to confess with me here or online. This stands for you too, because I can't see you, but God can. And more than your hand, God sees your heart. So on the count of three, everybody pray after me. One, two, three. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, y'all clap. I counted a few hands out there, at least 10. And let me tell you, because you said that, if you believe that, you have passed heaven's inspection. You have passed, and you'll always pass, because Jesus takes away your past, present, and future sins. Why? Because he loves you, and his one sacrifice was enough for you. Amen? So, I can't open up the ceiling and show you but there's a party in heaven. The Bible says when one comes back, there's a celebration in heaven. And usually we would have people come down, but I, I'm going to ask people to come down for something different today. I want to just take a moment. 
if you raise your hand, nobody, nobody's gonna know, but you'll know. I want y'all to just, everybody get up on your feet. Just, just, just help me out. Because we should be standing, why? Because Jesus is standing right now. God's standing. I want y'all to give them the biggest cheer of their life on the count of three so that they know, because we celebrate salvation, what God has done for them. So here we go. One, two, three. Let them know. God loves them. Come on. Let them know. Uh-uh, do better than that. Come on. They need to hear it. People were cheering louder than, louder than that at Carnival last week. Come on. If you made that decision right after service, you can go out to this courtyard. We won't be here much longer. You can grab this fam too. If you say, hey, I made a decision, man. I, I want to I, I connect with the house. There's a Bible in here, WWJD bracelet, and a letter from me and Joe, amongst other things. It's our free gift to you. And if you got questions, we want to pray for you. We want to answer your questions. We're going to do the best we can. We don't have all the answers, but God does. And the church said, last thing we're going to do, you're already standing. And here's, here's the reality. Like I said, if you're visiting, this ain't your house, you don't feel comfortable, you're always, you're always welcome in this house, but this is not for you. I'm not going to stop you from taking part in it if you want to take part in it, because I believe there's a blessing attached to it, but it's up to you. Let's turn that down a little bit. There's a, there's a part in here, as we're about to make this pledge, that I want to make clear. I read a part in Nehemiah 2.19 that says, you should have got your pledge cards when you came in. I want you to pull them out right now. But you read a part, I read a part in 2.19 that says, but when Sanballat, the, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the, Ammon, uh, the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and they ridiculed us. Let me tell you the problem with that. So Nehemiah, he gets these people inspired and they want to build. We're going to rebuild this wall because God's with us. Ah! Sanballat and Tobiah, they hear this and they start making fun of them. Why is that a problem? Sanballat and Tobiah were both Jewish men. So, in essence, they should have been excited when Nehemiah said, hey, we got to rebuild this thing. As Jewish men, they, oh my God, I want you to get this. They had a share in the land. They, prob they probably owned land right in Jerusalem. They were Jewish men, they were officials. And they made fun of them. Here's what's even worse. Sambalot in Hebrew means strength. Tobiah means Yahweh is good. You would think with somebody whose name meant strength and Yahweh or God is good, you would think those would be people that would be on your side. <laughs> I was reading that the Holy Spirit revealed to me. T, it don't matter how hard you preach. It's going to be folks that should be on your side that won't be. Because that's, that's what happens when you have vision. When you have vision, there will always be opposition, even if it's on the inside. 
Hard word, church, but true. I don't expect everybody to do this because there will be some that say that dude is crazy. They will ridicule him. <laughs> but I'm believing that's not the majority of this house. Because the other thing about them, I love how Nehemiah claps back. He says, well, you have no share. They should have had a share, but they literally, because of their doubt, lost out on the blessing that was supposed to be there because they were part of God's chosen people. What am I saying? Don't knock this and don't miss out on the blessing that God has attached to this because you'd rather be a naysayer than a person of faith. What I'm telling you is God's people can miss this because, ah, nah, nah, he just, hey, the preacher go talk about money again. Okay, miss it, laugh at it, ridicule it. But when the prosperity comes, when God gives success, don't try to jump back on the bandwagon after the success has already come. It's either you're going to be a part of it from the beginning, don't be a part of it at all. But please don't open your mouth and say something negative against what I know God wants to do. I, 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 I operate in faith. I already know in my heart what I'm going to do even without fully knowing what God is going to do. All I do know is that we will have success. So Joe, come up. Because I ain't pledging without my wife. <laughs> We're going to pledge. And you all got your pledge cards. You can write on it. Um, I think there's even a pledge. Is there a QR code for pledging? It should come up on the screen. Leave it up there because some of y'all may pledge that way. Uh, especially for the folks online. We're going to pledge. And we've, we've, we've talked in our home about what we're going to pledge. Um, we're not going to say it out loud. Not yet. Maybe later. But um, you know? I'm, yes, I do. But... The I know, no, we're not, no, we're not telling them. I'm just saying, you want to do what we talked about? We're going to do more than what we talked about. Okay, I'm with that. I like that. Because it should be something that stretches your faith. For you, stretching your faith might be a car payment. Stretching your faith might be, I don't know, lunch. <laughs> For some of you, it might be a mortgage payment. For some of you, it might be two weeks pay. For some, maybe far beyond that. Listen, what I, what I will never do and my life is limit what God wants to do. Last year we got up here and we told y'all that we caught a big deal with Macy's and we literally gave the whole first check back to the church. And he's given us four since. And we've gotten four other checks since that. Because to me, money's not real. <laughs> it's all God's anyway. So I don't have a problem releasing stuff to him. And once again, if that's not for you, that's okay, man. Just don't judge us. Just let us do what we're going to do. <laughs> I always realize a simple word you've heard your entire life. It is always more blessed to give yeah. than to receive. Yeah. But I always end up receiving. Yeah. It's just something about God. For as long as there is seed time, harvest. As long as the earth endures, 
There is seed time. If you plant something, something's gonna come back. Some of you looking for fertile soil to give to? I can't think of more fertile soil than to the house of God. Everybody wants your money for everything. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So we're gonna give over and above, but today we're just making a pledge. We're saying, God, what I'm, what I'm asking you to do when, do when you write this pledge, just pray this, God, challenge me. Challenge me. I, I like my wife. We're going to do more than what we talked about, and I know what we talked about, so I'm like, okay, Lord, you ain't playing. Challenge me because we're building something great. I, I love what 1 Peter 2 says. It says that we are living stones but who is the cornerstone jesus jesus is the anchor to all this but i have these stones scattered here today because if i could be honest if i'm giving an honest inventory of cool church in 2022 we've looked like the scattered stones of the wall that need to be rebuilt so these stones represent you and me I ain't saying y'all, it represents us, all of us. I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of these stones, here, you're one of these stones. But as your pastors, we not gonna stay like this. I'm tired of living broken. I wanna rebuild. I wanna live in success in Jesus' name. And I, I, I want you to see this and use this as a reminder you are a living stone meant to build God's house. That's what we are, each and every one of us. And I pray that my back is used for the next generation to build upon. I know I'm not the cornerstone, Jesus is, but if I could just find my place on that wall, I know that my life was worth living. I wanna find my place. So, I need no lead. You're gonna walk down, you're gonna take your pledge card, and you're gonna put it in one of these baskets. And can I have a marker? You can lay them all out in the front of the stage. You're gonna drop your pledge card in here, what you're believing God to challenge you with, and then you're gonna take one of these stones. I shovel these stones from my yard, y'all. I'm listening, I, 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 <laughs> I put in some work for y'all. You're gonna, you're gonna take one of these stones, and whatever number you write in your pledge card, write it on the stone. And you're gonna take the stone to remind you of how God is gonna challenge you and bless you in this season. Amen? Because I never want you to forget who you are. We are all living stones meant to build something greater than ourselves. So take an honest inventory of your heart right now. Right now, as I'm saying. Families, do it together. If you want to grab a stone, if all y'all in the family want to grab a stone, that's fine. But families, do this together like I'm doing this with my wife. Go ahead, write that number you're thinking. Write that number. Man, I knew that's exactly what you were going to say. See how God works? <laughs> I knew that's exactly what you were going to say. Praise God. That's a stretch. We'll do it. We'll do it. I'm going to pray. As you feel led, come down. Drop your pledge. Grab some. I encourage everybody to do it, but you don't have to. I'm going to say a final prayer of blessing. 
And once you grab your stone and you write, you're free to exit, go to the courtyard, hang out with some people, do all that. We got cool culture class, right, Yachty? We got cool culture class. Class three? Class three, finish out culture. Um, go ahead. So I'm just saying that um, whatever number you write, Yes, it's gonna make you uncomfortable, but just you sh it should also make you excited because you're gonna get to see how God is gonna make that and provide uh, that number for you. It always you. happens. It always happens, and so more than any fear or nervousness, I pray that you're filled with excitement to see the miracle seed and, and how God is gonna do, do it for you. When you take this also, no, I told you this came from my yard. <laughs> You're taking a piece of our house with you. I just want you, I want you to understand that. Because we are the body of Christ. We are one house. So when you see this, let this remind you of your greater purpose. You're still here, you're still breathing. It's because we're all called to build God's house. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Once again, families, do it together. Everybody take a stone, write, take your stone, drop your pledge in one of these baskets. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your sweet anointing over this house all day long. And God, I'm praying that people have some faith in this room today. We're trying to raise $300,000. Last year, we pledged $120,000 and gave $126,000. So this year, I'm believing for more, God. Because I believe you want to do more with us. I, I believe that, that the best is still yet to come. I believe that we're going to fortify families. And a building has never been the thing, God, that, is, is, that dictates how well you've treated us or how miraculous you've been. Because, God, at the end of the day, the families that are represented and the families that are changed are the real miracle. It's not about brick and mortar, even though I know all those things will come. And God, this is not just for cool church, it's for the capital C church, the church all over the world, the one that you died for, Jesus. We believe in that church. And we're gonna sacrifice in this season so you can do more than we ever asked, imagined, or think. God, I pray against fear, for you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I pray that faith will make its way to this altar. In faith, we will write down things that shock us, that you smile at, because you've already provided the resources before we've ever wrote the pledge. So we trust you, God. This is a trust exercise. Never let us forget, though, that we are living stones that come together to build your kingdom. God bless my dear brothers and sisters as they leave. And God bless them as they make these pledges. God, the ones on the fence, God, shift and turn their hearts. Speak to them. I pray that they weren't turned by the words of a man, but they are turned by the spirit of the most high God. And God, I pray that no matter what, through thick and thin, through hell or high water, we will continue to build this house. And it will last for generations. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, love you. We're going to worship as you feel led. Come to this altar, drop your pledge, and take a piece of the house with you. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.